This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, Wavering Back and Forth, and it comes from 1 Samuel 14, 24 through 52. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. There they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salary or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense of providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, if you've missed a previous lesson as we've gone through the book of 1 Samuel, you can go back and listen to one. And you do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us over on iTunes and search in the podcast section for WMER Radio Bible Class with no space between Radio Bible Class. Now, you know, we've been going through the book of 1 Samuel and we actually studied a little bit about Samuel Samuel has kind of gone off the stage, and now we saw the rise of Saul, the first king for the nation of Israel. We left from the time of judges, and we went to the time of kings, and Saul is the first king because the people wanted a king. And we've seen Saul rise, and now we've seen him start to fall down this slippery slope, and today we'll see him make some very foolish decisions. And because of that, he loses the respect of his men. We see him waver between good and bad decisions. He's not faithful. He's not steady. He, he's inconsistent. And as a person that people will look up to, as a Christian, people will look at you. We have to be consistent in our walk and our talk. Remember last week, we studied about the end of chapter 13 and most of the first half of chapter 14 and really, that was about God handing over the Philistines to the nation of Israel. And it's done through Saul's son, his son named Jonathan. And Jonathan and his arm barrier decide that they're going to go check out the Philistines and the camp that they're at. But they're camped in Mi'kmash, which is surrounded by these rocks. And there's a pass that goes right through them. So there's rocks on the left that uh, you have to climb up. There's rocks on the right. And if you go right through the middle, you're going to get attacked and you're going to die easily. So they decide they're going to go up and let themselves be seen. If you remember, Jonathan told his arm bearer, if they say, hey, come up here, we got something that we want to talk to you about, then that means God has handed them to us. And they said, look, we don't need a big army. God can do it with a lot of people or God can do it with a single person. It's based on what God wants to do. So what happens? He and his arm bearer step out. The Philistines see him. They shout, hey, look, their Hebrews are coming crawling out of their holes. And they yelled down to him and said, come up here, boy. We got something we want to show you. 
And so Jonathan shouted to his arm bearer, come on up, let's go up there. God has turned them over to us. He's given us the answer that we said we needed. And so they scramble up the rocks. And as they both get up there, they surprise them with an attack. And in this first attack, they kill almost 20 men. But not only do they kill the 20 men, but it sets off a little fear and, you know, some confusion going on in the camp as they see something going up. And at that same time, God sends an earthquake. The Bible tells us that the earth started shaking and as the ground shake and it shuddered, it made real more confusion to the point where the Philistines were just swinging their sword wildly and killing one another. While all this confusion is going on, Saul's lookout see something's going on in the Philistines' camp, and they come back and they tell Saul. Saul does a quick count of everybody. He realizes that Jonathan and his arm bearer is missing. And so they quickly head off to help them battle the Philistines. And we finish looking at verses 20 through 23, where Saul and his men, they go in, they rally in, and they go into battle, and they chase the Philistines all the way down to Beth Hebron, and they're still chasing them. And also the people that had deserted Saul all of a sudden hear about it and they want to be a part of it. So they jump in too. And then in verse 23, it says, So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed beyond Beth Haven. And so that's where we're going to pick up today. We're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 14, starting in verse 24. And we're going to see some of the foolish and even some wise decisions that Saul makes with that said, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 14. We'll start in verse 24, and I'll be reading out the ESV. And the men of Israel had been pressed that day. So Saul had laid an oath on them, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And we'll stop right there for now. And right here in verse 24, we see that Saul makes a bad decision. A lot of times we make bad decisions because we do it out of ourselves. We don't go to God. We don't have a consistent way of making decisions. We just go with the flow. And that's what Saul does right here. He makes the men take an oath that they won't eat anything till that evening. So one way to be consistent is don't follow your own instincts. Have a methodology and one of that should be going to God and seeking his wisdom before we make that decision. Anyhow, I want you to see the contrast between verse 23, where I told you that the Lord saved Israel that day, and then in verse 24, where it says the men of Israel were in distress. What happened between verse 23 and what happens in verse 24? Saul happens. Saul makes them take an oath that they will not eat anything that day while they battle. Let me just go ahead and say there's nothing in God's word that says that we can't eat on the day we go into battle. So this definitely wasn't something that he was supposed to do because God told him. At least the Bible doesn't tell us that. Most commentators say it doesn't take a brilliant person to realize that going into battle, malnutrious, not drinking and eating is going to make you weak and not a really good strategy. But they also say that they believe Saul did this because he wanted God to save them. He wanted God to see that they were weak and they needed him. So they did this out of a way to trick God. That is a terrible way to manipulate God into a victory. And all it really did was tire out his army you know, that day in that battle. 
And then what do we see in verse 25? The battle moves from the hill country where we told you that Jonathan had to climb up with his arm bearer all the way down into the forest. And there were a lot of ground bees back in Israel in this day. And the soldiers come across some honey that's in the woods. Let's look at that now. Verse 26 with me. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping, but not one put his hand to his mouth. For the people feared the oath. That's the oath that Saul made them take. But Jonathan had not heard of his father's charge to the people with this oath. So he put out his tip of the staff that was in his hand and he dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes became bright. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, curse be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. And then Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little of this honey? How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoils of their enemy that they found? For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. So as I told you, Jonathan wasn't there when they went into battle and Saul made them take this oath. So Jonathan doesn't know about this oath. So he eats some of the honey and immediately he is strengthened. He's, his eyes brighten up. And then the soldiers tell him about the oath and He's not impressed at all. He says, my father is a foolish man. He's made trouble for the country. Jonathan realizes that his father has made a foolish decision. And we see right there in verse 31, he says, this victory was not as great as it could have been. It could have been completed and it wasn't because of the weakness and not being able to eat food that day. Proverbs talks a lot about foolish stuff. In Proverbs 28, 26, it says, He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in the wisdom is kept safe. When you follow your own instinct, instead of following God's word, you're going to end up making some foolish decisions just like Saul does right here. You don't want to do that in your life. That creates inconsistency, and that drags down your testimony and your influence and your walk in front of folks. People are looking at you as a Christian today. Just like people were looking at Saul and making judgment because he was their leader. And because he made a decision off himself that was very foolish, he lost respect of his people. And you will lose your Christian influence if you're not careful and you are inconsistent in your walk and your talk. This begs the question, Tim, if I'm going to make foolish decisions, then how do I make wise decisions? Well, we make wise decisions by following God's word and we apply God's word to our life. You know, it's kind of like suntan lotion. Again, you can know God's word, but if you don't apply it, then it doesn't work in your life. Just like I can go out to the beach and I can know that suntan lotion will keep me from getting sunburned until I put the suntan lotion on my body, I will burn. It doesn't matter how much I know, I have to apply it. And that's what we see the principle right here. If we want to make wise decisions, we have to know God's word and we have to apply it to our life. Now, now let's look at Saul apply God's word in their lives. Look with me at verse 31 through 35 real quick. They struck down the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took the sheep and the oxen and the calves and they slaughtered them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. 
And then they told Saul, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox and his sheep and slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, and they slaughtered it there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord, and it was the first altar that he built to the Lord. So what's going on here? Well, the men have chased the Philistines all the way down to Michmash, and they've chased them from Michmash to Ajon, and that's about 20 miles. And it's now evening, so the oath is over, and so they're starving. And what do they do? They immediately take the meat that they won, the plunder that they got from the Philistines, and they kill the cow or the ox or the sheep. And they don't even take time to get the blood out of it. And see, that was forbidden against God to the Israelites. They were not to eat meat with blood in it because blood represents the life of the animal. And it was used in the sacrifice. But there's a contrast between Jonathan eating honey and what his men are doing here. See, Jonathan didn't know about the oath, but now his men know about what God told them, yet they're breaking God's commandment by eating meat with blood in it. But Saul handles this one right. He tells the men, don't sin against the Lord. He sets up a large stone there and he says, come slaughter your animals right here and drain the blood. He builds an altar to the Lord for the first time, showing his sincere desire that he wants to worship God. And right here, we see that he's not acting now under his own decision, but he's following God's instruction. That's what makes this a good decision is he takes God's word and he applies it. He tells them, hey, we can't do this. We have to apply how we eat this meat. And what you can learn from this today is that if you want to be consistent, if you want to stop from wavering and you want people to look at your life and your walk and talk be the same, then we have to understand God's word and we have to apply it to our life just like we apply sunscreen to our skin. But even as Saul gets it right, right here in this section of the scripture, we see now that Saul's fixing to blow it again. He's going to make another bad decision. Look at verses 36 through 39 with me. Then Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, let us draw near to God here. And Saul inquired of God, shall I go down to the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered them. So what happened? Saul says, I want to go get the rest of these Philistines. I want to take them. I want to plunder them. And we're going to fight them all night. And the men say, whatever makes sense, whatever seems good to you, you're our leader. But the priests say, well, hold on a second, Saul. Don't make a decision without checking with God. And so Saul inquires of God. And guess what? God doesn't answer. God's quiet. And so he says, bring everybody here. And he tells them, hey, there's somebody that has sin in their life, and even if it's Jonathan, he'll surely die. I'll kill my son if I have to. 
And we see right there in verse 39, the men know that Jonathan ate some honey, that he's the one they believe that the reason why that God didn't answer, but they kept quiet. They respected Jonathan more than they did Saul. And where's the bad decision here? Well, it's Saul just making it up as he goes. See, he's not going to follow through on this vow. Jonathan's not going to die. But the soldiers don't say a word what they knew about Jonathan. Again, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 2 and verses 5. It says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. And then in verse 5, it says, It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. And so what we see is that he makes this vow and he's not going to be able to fulfill it. He's not going to have the respect of his men because when he gives his word, he should have followed through it. And you go, well, Tim, that's pretty harsh. Well, he shouldn't have gave his word to start with. Let's just be, again, he didn't seek out God, should I make this vow? He just makes it. And what's the principle we learn from this? Be careful what you promise. And guess what? How does he undo this? Well, be willing to admit you're wrong when you make a stupid statement or a foolish statement. And that's what he's done. And let's look at that now. Look at verse 40 through 44 with me. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan, my son, will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? Is this guilt in me or in Jonathan, my son? O Lord God of Israel, give Urim. But if this guilt is in your people, Israel, give Thurman. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. And then Saul said, cast a lot between me and my son, Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. And then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little bit of honey with the tip of my staff that was in my hand. And here I am. I will die. And Saul said, God do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. So by casting lots, they found out that Jonathan was the reason why God didn't answer. And now he has an opportunity to say, I was wrong to make that oath. If Saul would have just said, I was wrong to make the oath, and now I need to break it. Yet guess what? I think because of his foolish pride, he feels like he's stuck. He's said something in front of these men, and these men now expect him to what? Follow through what he said. They didn't ask him to say it. They said, do whatever you think. You're our leader. And yet he's made himself between a rock and a hard place. He's got himself stuck. And because he wouldn't admit that he was wrong, no matter what he does, he's going to be wrong. There's no way that's right when he moves forward, except that he confess what he did was wrong and admit that he's wrong. And you know what? When we mess up, when we fall short, we need to confess that we've messed up. We don't need to be prideful and act like it didn't happen. We may go confess it to God in, in secret, but there are people that are watching. Just like Saul's men were watching. We have to confess with our mouth, and we have to confess and say, I'm sorry to those around us. But unfortunately, Saul doesn't do that here. Instead of admitting that he's wrong, Saul only makes things worse. He had bound his men with an oath. Now he binds himself with an oath. May God deal with me even so severely if Jonathan does not die. Well, guess what? 
Jonathan's not going to die, and God is going to deal with Saul ever so severely. Remember that Jonathan eating just a little bit of honey here. Look how this thing has gotten way out of proportion over a little bit of honey because of a stupid decision. And what can we learn from this? We need to be quick to confess when we're wrong. Proverbs 28, 13 tells us, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. When you've messed up, instead of digging yourself deeper and deeper, like Saul's doing, you're better off just admitting that you're wrong, that you're not going to waver back and forth like Saul does, but yet you are going to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and you're going to take responsibility of the decision or the action that you did. So we've seen to keep us from wavering back and forth like Saul, that we need to be careful what we promise, and we need to be willing to admit that we're wrong, and we need to understand that trust is easily lost. When you make promises you can't keep, be willing to admit that you're wrong. And if you don't, then you will lose the trust in people that look to you. Look at verse 45 with me real quick. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die? Who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. And as the Lord lives, there shall not one hair on his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan so that he would not die. What does this show us? Is that the people have lost faith in Saul. They're willing to stand for Jonathan, who really helped win this battle, and stand up against Saul, who's made some foolish decisions. They're not going to put up with his foolishness or his stubbornness. They believe that Jonathan should be okay. You know, 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, they must prove faithful. And as I've told you, we need to be reliable. We need to be consistent. We need to be trustworthy. When people look at us, they need to know how we're going to respond. They need to know how we're going to act. They, they may be surprised that we act in a way that they wouldn't respond, but that's a good thing. If we're following God's word and we respond that way, then we're going to show that we are faithful. And that's exactly what 1 Corinthians tells us is that we are given trust and we must prove ourselves faithful. And then we see right here in verse 46 that we need to be faithful to the end. We need to finish what we're called to do. Look at verse 46 with me. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Saul and his men had the advantage. They had the Philistines on the run. They're pressing them down out of the country. They need to go finish the job, yet Saul stops pursuing the Philistines. The Bible tells us that they withdraw and they go back to their land and the Philistines go back to theirs where they can regroup, they can rebuild, they can strengthen themselves for the next attack. And again, this is another way that we can be inconsistent in our life. When we start something, we need to finish it. If God calls us to something, then he doesn't call us for the results. He calls us to be faithful through the act. If God's called you to do something, you finish that, whatever God's called you to do. And we see right here that Saul makes the decision that they're going to stop attacking the enemy and they're going to head back. Let me ask you, what has God called you to do that you haven't finished, that maybe you've given up on? I feel like there's somebody here. You know, Galatians 6.9 tells us, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I think about Naaman that had leprosy that had to go out and dip seven times. You know, I think as he dipped each time, he got up and he looked to see if it was starting to go away, and it didn't. The Bible says that 
The leprosy didn't disappear until the seventh time. What if he had given up on the sixth dip and said, this is stupid. I'm not going to go down one more time in this muddy water. What if he had given up? He was one dip away. What if he had given up? He would not have been healed. What has God called you to do that you have not finished? I'm quickly running out of time, so let me finish with this last bit of section right here. Verses 47 through uh, 52. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Amorites, against Edom, against the king of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly, and he struck the Amalekites, and he delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan and Ishvi and Malachi Suah. And the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger daughter were Mishael. And the name of Saul's wife was Ananom, and the daughter of Ahamazai. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, and the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner was the father of Abner, was the son of Abel. And this was a hard fight against the Philistines all those days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to himself. If you read the book of 1 Kings or 2 Kings, a lot of times you get a summary of that king. Well, Saul's not dead yet. We normally get that summary at the end. But here, Saul's not dead yet. But what we get is that God's anointing has already left Saul. And we get a summary of what Saul did. He fought people to his left, to his right, from the east to the west, to the north, to the south. He took care of the nation of Israel and he kept the enemies away and he took away what had been plundered from them. And just reading this, in man's eye, Saul was a success. The way man looked at a king, he was a good king. He had done what he was supposed to do. He kept the enemies at bay and he got back what had been plundered from them. But in God's eye, he was a failure. You go, Tim, well, I don't see anywhere in there that he was a failure. Do you notice that it doesn't mention God at all? You go, well, Tim, I don't see anywhere in here that it says that God saw him as a failure. Well, God saw him as a failure because of his disobedience and because his lack of faith, how he tried to do things in his own eyes and how he tried to be a worldly success. But he was a failure because of his disobedience and his lack of faith. I'm out of time, so let me just close with this final thought. In the letter to the church at Rome in chapter 7, verse 15, Paul wrote that, For what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. For the good that I want, I do not do, for I practice the very evil that I do not want. For if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but the sin which dwells within me. Does that sound familiar to you? You know, Paul, like each and every one of us as Christians, we find ourselves in a spiritual battle. We find ourselves wavering back and forth. We find ourselves inconsistent. And we struggle to overcome this rebellious nature in us. And it's called self. It's called the sinful man. That doesn't mean we're not saved. But we are going to fail. We are going to falter. But there are a couple of things we can do. There are things that we can ask ourselves. Are we following after the footsteps of Jesus? Am I in God's word and am I applying it to my life? And we do those two things, then we are reacting on a more consistent basis and we look more and more like Jesus Christ every day. 
And what we saw today in this lesson is that Saul too many times didn't take the time to see if he was acting like Jesus. He didn't get into God's word. He just made a decision. Today, some of you are probably in a spot because of a decision you've made. Maybe it was a bad decision, but we can learn that if we are willing to take ownership and confess that we've messed up, then we can win back the respect. We can have God forgive us of the sin that's in our life. So will you do that today? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for our time together, Lord. We thank you for this lesson. Again, too many times we're like Paul. We waver back and forth. We battle this spiritual internal battle. We strive to do what's right, but when we do it in our own strength, we mess up. It's the sinful nature in us that makes us fall. And no matter how hard we try until we do it in your strength, when we give ourselves to you, when we die to ourselves and walk in the Spirit, then we're going to fall, and we're going to falter, and we're going to waver, and those around us are going to wind up seeing inconsistency. And you call us to be faithful, to follow after you, even when it's tough. And when we do mess up to confess our sin, to confess one to another is what your word tells us. Lord, I pray today that those listening, maybe there's one today that has had the same struggle. I'm sure there's a lot of us. I know I struggle with this. Lord, I pray today that they'll just ask that you would help them come over their normal self and walk in the Spirit more each day. Lord, to apply your word to their life. Or maybe there's one listening that doesn't understand what I'm saying. They never asked you to be Lord of their life. Lord, your word tells us that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you died on a cross, you were the perfect sacrifice, that you took our sins, you nailed it to the cross, and you overcame death, that we'll be saved if we'll confess that we want you to be Lord and that we're a sinner and we need you. Lord, I pray today they'll pray that prayer. Lord, we thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you for the blessings you give this ministry. Lord, it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.